It's the Bengals Nation podcast, only on Local12.com. Now, here's Bengals Nation host Jed Demusi with Local12.com digital sports columnist and editor Richard Skinner. Bengals Nation podcast as we look ahead to the New England Patriots and look back to the Cleveland Browns. We're going to talk about what everyone in this building doesn't seem to want to talk about in a little bit, but I do want to get your thoughts on the game against the Browns. It it looked like it was the Bengals game to lose, and they did lose it because of the way they played in the red zone. Yeah, um, and and obviously two possessions in particular. A couple of the red zone trips were barely into it, and they got there on third down, so we'll give them a pass on a couple of those. And obviously they scored the one touchdown on the other, but the two that were the glaring were the – one where you get the first and goal at the two, and then obviously the fourth and four quarterback draw. And uh, talked to Brian Callahan about both of those on, on Monday, and he gave a good explanation. People don't have to buy the explanation, but he gave a good explanation. Um, you know, the, the one where they have first and goal at the two, and they call a pass play. They they had tra- they tracked themselves like every team does, and they had on first and goal situations up to that point, they'd run the ball ten, the last ten times in a row. And they decided they wanted to break a tendency there, and they thought they had a play called. And obviously, it, it did not work. And, and a couple of things there. One, your your veteran quarterback can't take a sack. It just it can't happen. He's got right. he's, it, it, that that part's on him. Uh, but you could have also done some things if you want to call a pass to help him too. You could have bootlegged it where he's already on the perimeter and can throw it away sure. if he doesn't see what he looks likes. You could have had the threat of run because they didn't have a running back in the backfield. And I do get the whole trying to break a tendency. Okay, I, I do. Is just kind of looking at the the whole macro of it. But I also know this, you're, you've been controlling the line of scrimmage pretty much all day. There's been games they've not, but they've obviously found something the last five or six weeks in the run game that's working. So you've found some things. You're controlling the line of scrimmage, and Joe Mixon has run you down there. He ripped off runs on that drive of eight, 19, and six yards, converted a fourth and one on the very play before they got to the first and goal to get him the first and right. goal. Tendency be damned, and I said that to Brian. I said, at some point, do you not just go, hey, I know what the tendency is, but – I got Joe Mixon running well, and I'm going to give it to him four times. And, and of course, I, you know, he said, yeah, I can look back and, and say that. But that's the part that I think sometimes don't overthink it. Don't, you know, sometimes I think everybody wants to be so smart in this game, right? Um, you want to say, hey, we're trying to break a tendency, and boy, did we, and we scored a touchdown. No, I got Joe Mixon back there, man. I'm going to give him the ball four times in a row. And if they stop me four times, I'm just going to tip my hat in the press conference when you're asked about it. You know, you can honestly say, we went with our best guy four straight times, and our best guy and our guys up front didn't win that battle. I think that's a lot easier to swallow than we're trying to break a tendency. Yay or nay? Well, I mean, there, there's, a, there's a longer tendency that's been taking place all year, and it's that they have one win. Yeah, well, there's that, too. No, <laughs> so there's that, I mean, too. Maybe, yeah, no, right. Maybe right. you go with, you know, the, the, the bread and butter play. Sure. Sure. To break the larger tendency, uh, good, good, great, great point. That you can't grab uh, a win. Yeah, there, there, there's, there's a great saying out there, and a lot of times it's true. Don't don't worry about the play. Go with the player, right? And the player, Joe Mixon, was was going to be where I'm going to ride. I'm going to ride that horse for four straight plays. The fourth and four quarterback draw. I know it looks silly because it's it's Andy Dalton. He's not Lamar Jackson. Right. Um, all of those things. You know, multiple people from Zach Taylor to Brian Callahan to Andy himself said that that you know when they watched it on film, it was one block away from literally being a walk in the end zone, and it wouldn't matter who the athlete is at quarterback. I'll give you a little bit of that. It, but it does look silly that you're running that play. And unfortunately, again, did you outthink yourself or did you just not execute? And that's part of it, too. I mean, a lot of times when play calls don't go well, we can blame the play call and we can blame the play caller. But sometimes you got to blame the execution of the play call. 
and, and, that, and it was that play a, was not executed right. It was a play that they had converted a third down That's on. right. Was it, it earlier in that In drive? that same drive, third and two from about the 50, I want to say. Right. Um, and Andy actually popped it for a six-yard run when he actually slid to a stop. Right. So um, they had the look they said they wanted. It was exactly what they expected, and they miss a block. And you miss a block, you're going to get stopped. And that's what happened to Andy. And unfortunately, you do. You look like an idiot in that circumstance. So they end up turning it over on downs inside the five-yard line. And then hmm. on the Browns sequence, it looked as if the Bengals were going to get the right back, the ball right back when Jesse Bates had his second interception of the day. Instead, it went to review, and they determined that William Jackson the third committed pass interference on the receiver. I'm, I'm blanking on who the receiver was, the, the intended target on the pass. I want to see Jarvis Landry, I want to say. I think you're right. And, okay, so... In one of the calls that was supposed to be um, able to be changed this year that really hasn't been changed at all goes against the Bengals. A few plays later, they're, they want to sort of get in on this crew right. calling and overturning um, a plays on the field, so they tried to get a pass interference call on a pick play, and it didn't happen. Um, it, earlier this year, it seemed like Zach was frustrated at the fact that they're being able to challenge, they've been given the ability to challenge these plays, but nothing is really coming of it, despite visual evidence that says this is happening. Right. Do you think that this is a, a, a problem, that, that this call and this sort of new way of thinking and being able to challenge this has been a successful thing? No, for the it's, been a complete, it's been a complete failure. Now, they told teams that they wanted to overturn egregious pass interference calls. And by egregious, they meant, the clear, blatant, obvious, no doubt in the anybody's NFC mind, championship the NFC game. Championship game. That's what they wanted to do. We, we talked with officials in the preseason. That's what they kept reiterating to us because we kept saying, well, man, every play there's hand fighting. What about Hail Mary passes where everybody's jockeying right. for position? I mean, right. are you guys going to call that? And they made it pretty clear that no, we're probably not. I think that was probably passed down to coaches, but as coaches you look and go, well, what's egregious to you may not be egregious to me and or vice versa. That was egregious to me, but maybe not to you. Look, the play for William Jackson, if you were to push come to shove and ask me personally, and probably most, if you grabbed a pool of 100 people, the majority would say, yeah, that is pass interference. But not by the way it's been called this year and the fact that those plays have not been overturned. The last few weeks, from what I understand, and I obviously did not watch the TV broadcast, I think Gene Steratore came on and said there's kind of a, a and not an edict, but they passed down some kind of process of, hey, if you start to see this, you need to start calling it. Well, I think then suddenly, man, you've gotten to the real – I mean, that is pass interference – is a complete, and I, a lot of penalties are, is a subjective call. It's, I mean, how much hand fighting? You see, exactly. there's so much hand yeah. fighting. As long as one guy's not getting a clear advantage, they usually won't throw the flag. But if somebody does, they try to try to throw the flag. And so for this, I just, I, I think it's hard then in that regard as a, as a coach or a player to know what, what is and what isn't. And so hopefully after this year, it does go completely away. I know everybody wants this game to be officiated perfectly. It's not. But what happens now is when you open up all these subjective calls to replay, now you're expecting every call to be perfect. Or if it's not perfect, let's make an overturned ruling to make it perfect. And I, I just think you've gone down a – I think you and I talked about this a while back. You've gone down that slippery slope of you're opening up every can of worms on a play. I mean, so next year is the rules committee going to go, hey, if you guys want, you can challenge holding or not holding. I mean, interior holding, whatever, you can challenge. Right. No, let's just, just play the game. And if it – if there's an egregious miss, then let's hear from the league that that crew's been suspended, fined, whatever, that this official keeps missing calls and he's gone. However you want to do it, 
But I think you're trying to make the game too perfect from an officiating standpoint. It's not. It's never been and never will be. It's not played perfectly. You mentioned Gene Steratore, and it's been interesting to me the past couple weeks watching Bengals games. It seems like at the beginning of the season, they would bring him in while the play was under review. Now it seems more and more that he is brought in after the ruling yeah, has the, been made. They, they didn't want to give him first guess. Now they let him second guess or or or, well, and, or and not, affirm. And we'll get other. to more conspiracy theories in a minute, I'm sure. But it seems to me like the league is saying we don't want these officials. Now every league has one. We don't want these guys commenting on what they see beforehand. We would just like them to sort of react to the calls that our officials make. No, I, that's probably true. I, I can see that because I think it was making officiating crews look bad. But that's what replay does. As I, I mean, as I mentioned, it's a hard game to officiate. I, I'd love to challenge anybody who complains constantly about officiating. Go, go try it. it. It's probably really, really hard. I have not done it, but I can guarantee you it's darn hard. Um, but TV has made it even harder because now we see frame-by-frame frame replay, right, of Oh, how did you not get that call? Guy tap dancing out of bounds. There was one I think the Bengals did challenge the catch by I think Beckham on the sideline where oh right it was close. I mean, I mean if you broke that down frame by frame, you'd have some Bruder film stuff going, man. It was really really close. I think the Browns actually challenged that. Somebody, yeah, whoever yeah. did, yeah, challenged it. It, it. But it was really close. Right. I mean, at the end of the day, it, it was you know it was it was incomplete. But I mean, yeah. in fast time speed. You really think you're going to get that perfect every single right. solitary time? And even on replay, it was still open to a little bit of debate. Debate, And you see it one way, somebody else sees it the other. So I've never been a big proponent of replay. I just, I don't know, man. I just think it's a waste of, it, it, just, it, makes, it makes it harder. It just makes it harder. If you can tell me the players are going to play perfectly, then great. Then that, that's fine. They're not. And neither of the coaches are going to coach perfectly. And the referees aren't going to referee perfectly. So let's just be done with it. Three games left. Doesn't sound like we'll see A.J. Green this week. Does, Shock. Does, does he play this year? I think he plays in Miami. I think it's trending in that regard. I didn't expect him to practice today. Zach said he wasn't practicing today. I think he's limited one of these next two days, maybe even the walkthrough day. Then you see him go through a workout again on Sunday. Because you're getting to the point now. He's had his last two Sunday pregame workouts. If I've watched, I watched the last one. I didn't watch the one two weeks ago, but I did watch the one Sunday. Dude, he looks just fine. He looks great. Um, you would not know that he's still battling an ankle injury. So you're getting to the point of you keep showing it to us. We're all seeing it. It's looking pretty good. I can get maybe this week, maybe not quite yet, and I can see him saying, listen, I want to go play on grass in Miami in the warmth. I'll play that one. I'll play the last one. And he balls out and drops the mic. That's, that's where I think it goes. I do think we've seen the last two games. If, hypothetically speaking, if the Bengals this afternoon drafted up a four-year deal for him and he signed it, would he play Sunday? Uh, I still don't think probably this. I think part of it, too, you still got to get him through some practices, okay. right or wrong. He's still got to go through some. I mean, like you could argue that if it happened today, like your scenario, he could go out there tomorrow and then the walkthrough and that. I think that's a that's probably running a risk to some degree that you just haven't gotten him completely so this up isn't, to speed. So this isn't about the contract? Oh, I think it's completely. I've always thought all okay. along it's been completely about the contract. No, no, don't yeah. get me wrong. I think it's been completely about the contract. No question about it. But I also think just from a pure football standpoint, you still got to get a guy through some practices. And it can't just be a practice after not playing at all or practicing at all for what are we at now, 14 weeks. No, 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 I've thought all along. Okay. I mean, okay. no, honestly, I, I think they should put on the injury report every week out A.J. Green, instead of ankle, contract. I mean, that's what should be behind the in parentheses. Right. I, don't, I don't think there's any doubt about that part. Uh, we, we've talked extensively on this podcast all year about the deficiencies on the offensive line and the deficiencies in the linebacking core. And we talked about it Wednesday as we're taping this with, with Zach Taylor. Those two units have gotten remarkably better. Mm-hmm. Would you say that that is, and we've talked, what, how is this personnel ever going to get better? 
It's been three defensive coordinators. How is this offensive line ever going to get better? You add Cordy Glenn, and as Zach mentioned today, when you have some consistency of the guys that you know are going to be in there, it obviously is going to lend itself to more productivity. Mm -hmm. Can you just kind of say that with both the guys that are out there, getting reps week in and week out has led to this sort of development? Yeah, we'll go linebacker first. I, you know, they signed Preston Brown, thought Preston Brown had something left in the tank. He didn't. Obviously, the Raiders didn't think so either. Um, he just can't run any longer. Um, you know, maybe another year helps him to run, but I don't see it. He's just That's just not his body type. The one thing Jermaine Pratt does have is athleticism and speed. Now, for parts of the year where they were playing him, Jermaine Pratt was running around like a chicken with his head chopped off, the game going 1,000 miles per hour for him, and he struggled to to diagnose things. And if you watch him lately, he's he can run down plays from behind. He can run down plays from the backside. He's been far better at diagnosing things. He's been better with his run fits. Is he Pro Bowl caliber yet? No, of course not, but he's been better. So you've made an upgrade there. I think Nick Vigil, Nick Vigil's never going to be a star but I think with, with the, the right guy around him, especially in today's day and age where you're only playing two linebackers, um, if you've got the right guy around him, um, I think that, that helps. I think Darquez Denard has helped a bunch in the running game. I, he loves to stick his nose in there. So you've added a pseudo. He's not a linebacker by trade, but in nickel situations, he sure. comes off the slot and tackles pretty willingly. So I think that's helped the linebackers that too. As far as the offensive line goes, I, I think kudos to Jim Turner. Um, you know, early in the year, they were struggling the run game. Jim Turner wanted to change up the blocking scheme. They were a real zone, zone blocking scheme. They have gone to this pin and pull concept where you're asking your tackle on one side to, to seal or your tight end on the other side to seal, and they're pulling Trey Hopkins, and they're pulling Michael Jordan, and they're pulling John Miller, and it's gotten – you've seen a lot more toss plays with, with Joe Mixon. They found a scheme that, that I think Jim Turner really would have liked all along. They didn't start doing it till the, the week they went to London. Then they kind of refined what they wanted to do in the bye week. And you've seen the results since then. And, um, you know, they're, they're, it's not always pin and pull, but it gives them now something else up their sleeve. And, you know, now they're not – I talked to Trey Hopkins and he said, now it's not every down where we're literally bear wrestling at the line of scrimmage. We're now getting out and using some of our athleticism and getting to the second level. And it allows Joe to see the field a little bit better. So I think kudos to, to him especially and to Zach and Brian Callahan to swallow hard and go, okay, if you think that's going to work, what we're doing isn't working, so let's go ahead and try this. And, and, and it's worked. And – I think it's played to the strength of those guys. Now, would I like better guys than those guys? Yeah, probably, and you're going to get that in Jonah and whatnot. And getting quarterback's been a big help. But I think that the fact they were, they were willing to change the concept and Zach was willing to change the concept and scheme has really helped them. We've covered a lot of ground on this podcast already, and we haven't even gotten to the Patriots filming the Bengals' sideline Sunday in Cleveland. We're going to touch on that in a minute. But first, what to expect this Saturday night on Bengals Nation. I was keeping it 100 with Bengals wide receiver Trenton Irwin, who had a pretty decent record to finish his career at Stanford. 40 consecutive games to end your career as a Cardinal with a catch. You had at least one in 40 straight games. That's pretty good. Yeah, I mean, got a lot of, a lot of balls here and there, you know, helped the team out however I could, and it, it was a fun experience. More from Irwin on the show, 1130 Saturday night, including what commercial he was in as a child. All right, we're back with Richard Skinner, and we're discussing this week's opponent, the New England Patriots. And Cheaters. You know, Coach Zach Taylor can only control the things he can control, but, man, there has been a lot of nonsense outside <laughs> of his control it this really year. really has been. And this week is no exception with the revelation that there was someone wearing a Boston Bruins hoodie in the Cleveland press box filming the Bengals' sideline for eight minutes. And that's not... The, that's no, not, that's, that's cut and dry, That's brother. accepted 
truth Fact. right there. So today, Andy Dalton was asked. He didn't talk. Uh, a spokesperson for the Bengals made it very clear that if anyone sort of attempted to talk to any other players about that, that we were going to get that same sort of response. Zach Taylor fired off a no comment, no comment, no comment. I think three or four questions pertained to this uh, takeoff. What, what do you think about this situation, and uh, what, what do you think the league is going to do? I think the league does nothing more than fine again, unfortunately, but I think the league should really come down very hard on this. And, and look, Bill Belichick can have plausible deniability because did he give a direct – it's like I, I, I do. I equate it to a college basketball or football coach in recruiting, telling assistants, go get me players, don't tell me how you get them. I don't want to know how you get them because I want to be able to tell people, hey, that recruit got 100 grand. Well, hell, I didn't know that. How am I supposed to know that? like a mafia don ordered a hit yeah I his know. hands I, aren't I, getting my hands yeah. aren't getting dirty in this so bill belichick can honestly answer the way he did on the conference call yesterday of i, I have no idea there's a film crew i don't i don't know what they're doing but the, i think the thing that's gotten lost in this and it was in most of our stories on monday the story from outside the lines that businessinsider.com wrote in 2015 gave the blueprint of what they did which was send an advanced scout send a film crew from craft media and if you get caught Here's your story. That wasn't just from a week ago or from Monday. That's from four years ago. So they they did this back in the Spygate days. They had a blueprint for continuing to do it, and they followed that exact blueprint on Sunday. You think that this story got made up on sun, on on Sunday Monday? No, they were caught red-handed doing what the blueprint told them to do. And so in that regard, whether Bill Belichick can have plausible deniability or not, eventually you're tying this all the way back to the top. And here's the thing: this ain't a court of law. You're the NFL. You don't need this to go to a court of law. You're, you're judge, jury, and executioner. You tell Bill Belichick you're gone for the rest of this year, including the playoffs. You tell the Patriots you send no more people into press boxes on the road. In fact, we're going to ban your scouts for the next two years from going on the road. So that part's done. We're taking two draft picks away. If you want to nip this in the bud, you do something harsh like that. If not, then whatever you do is just silly nonsense because they're caught red Handed, red-handed. And, and to me, it's it's sort of even if you do something like that, it, it's it's almost it, it, yes. I mean, you can't go back because it sounds like if if we're taking this to the logical conclusion, the reason why potentially, I guess, in my opinion, is because Zach Taylor is a new head coach, Lou Anarumo is a new defensive coordinator, and they just want to have it. They don't necessarily think they need it. I'm sure that there's a way that they could beat the Bengals this Sunday without that type of information. No, it's what the organization is. They, they are, to, and I guess I've given them the credit for this, they're going to turn over every stone and rock to try to get whatever small competitive advantage there is to their advantage. I, I, there's a part of me that admires that, but there's also rules and decorum that prevent you from going to a certain degree. And it's not like this was the first time it happened and you just go, hey, we thought we could get away with this. And we, No, you have a pattern of this type of behavior as an organization. And the NFL has really, to this part, done minimal, right? I mean, from what Spygate was, that was a minimal punishment. I, yeah, I mean, yeah, 500 grand to me is a lot and 250 grand to use a lot. But to Robert Kraft and to Bill Belichick, right. no, it's not. It, it, to and, to and, get a competitive advantage. And don't forget that the Jets at that time were very bad. Yes. They were not yes. good at that yeah, time. Yeah, almost the joke of, why would you bother? Because they're, if, it's, if they get one nugget of information from the Bengals, one nugget, that maybe it's a 7-7 seven, seven game in the second quarter, and that one nugget comes to fruition on third and seven, for example, and they get a pick six, that's all they needed, the one nugget. I mean, it may, it may be 10 nuggets. Maybe they unearth 1,000 nuggets. Maybe they get nothing out of it. Maybe at the end of the day they didn't need it. But if it gets that one time, it's, it's, it, the NFL needs to nip this. Because if you don't, 
if I'm the Bengals or if I'm the rest of the league and they see that all they're going to do with this when they're caught with their hand completely in the cookie jar, I'm going to say, hey, everybody, let's have a staff meeting and figure out what can we do to gain a competitive advantage in the wrong way against the rules. And if we get caught, hey, we'll just pay the price. We're okay for it. And, again, we're going to insulate our head coach. We'll insulate our owner. We'll insulate everybody else. But come up with a plan and then go, go find a way to get us some, some nuggets of information that, that cross the line. However you got to do it. I don't care how you got to do it. Go find it. Go get the peanut vendor to shoot, shoot video for us. And wh- however you do it, go, go do it. I think you open up the Wild West. And if that's what they want, I guess good for them. It, it's a shame if they do. It's remarkable to me how sloppily this particular instance was done for a team that is so intent on getting every edge they can. They've got a guy wearing a Boston I Bruins. Know. I mean, he should have been wearing a Miami but Dolphins look, hoodie. Look, I'm going to go back to the mafia with this. Occasionally you get the hitman. He just is a mess, man. <laughs> he's, on, he's on crack or he's on heroin or he's, he just he, he needs the money so badly he'll do whatever it takes. And yet he leaves his fingerprints or he leaves the car that he was supposed to ditch right. or he leaves the murder weapon behind and it's traced back to him and traced to somebody above. There's always – that's the thing. There's always some clown, man. There's always some, some guy that's, that, that does something stupid. And in this case, it sounds like there was a guy that did something stupid. Okay, that that all of that aside, the Patriots are coming in here on a on a two game losing streak, if if that can be believed. I don't know how many of those they've had under Tom Brady, but I'm assuming it's uh, when the cheating ramps up. Well, yeah, yeah, I'm assuming it's not too many. This is also uh, is this the first time they've played them since we're on to Cincinnati? I believe so, because that was a Kansas City loss yep. followed by a Bengals game. Kansas so City Monday night loss, yeah. This is uh, this is the the next instance of that. This is a team that is now out of – they really, with the loss to the Ravens, are out of the driver's seat for the top seed in the AFC. No, they got to win out and get some help. Yeah, so now their, their backs are clearly against the wall, uh, and, and that, that probably doesn't bode well for the Bengals. On no, Sunday. no. the one thing that, that I will say, the Patriots' offense is a mess. I mean, it, it really is. You know, you thought Mo Sanu could give them something. He's giving them seven yards a catch. That's not very much for a wide receiver in this league. And um, Tom Brady's not Tom Brady any longer. Father Time's got him a little bit. He still can do some things. They don't run it particularly well. The one thing they do consistently pretty doggone well is they defend you and they turn you over. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, th- I think they come in here and it's, it's going to be an ugly game. It'll, it'll probably lull you to sleep at times because they'll get up and then just decide to run the clock down and play defense and get out of here. Yeah, I'll go, I'll go New England 20-10, to 10 and it, it, it will not be a pretty game for, for really either team, to be honest with you. Okay, that will do it for our – Bengals Nation podcast. Hey, what's that camera this doing week? over there? What's, is it looking in on us? Huh? <laughs> There's always someone watching. Yep. And we hope that you watch. Yes, good the call. Patriots good segue. And the Bengals on Local 12 Sunday afternoon.